0: Here we go. Good morning. Rise and freedom. (laughs) Welcome to the wake up America show. (laughs) I'm your host, Austin Peterson. What's so funny AP, shut up. What's happening, Ur's mommy, mighty Megatron, rare Camellia, KV Andy, Steffi, P for Liberty in the house today. Nice to see you guys. Today is Tuesday. The day before Valentine's Day. But did you know that today is actually a holiday as well? It's Galentine's Day. For all the single, lonely ladies out there panicking about their eggs drying up. No, no, no. I'm told that it's... The day that the ladies can all get together and just pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, talk a little, cheap, 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 pick a lot, talk a little, love, pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, love. talk a little, cheap, 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 cheap. <laughs> awesome. You're already in trouble. We just started. What's happening? The ap for Liberty Show, the Wake Up America Show, streaming live. Man, ugh, I got such a crick in my neck. Um. Oh. You gotta shake off these old bones. Feeling looking kind of dusty today. The Wake Up America show's not dusty though. We've got some fresh content for you. We missed him yesterday. He's joining us today, John Miltimore. It's Mondays with Miltimore, everybody. (laughs) Seven thirty a.m. Central Time. You guys liking my uh, hoodie here? Oh yes. The Wake Up America show brought to you by the United States of America. Bitches. God bless. God bless. God bless. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. And I'm proud to be an American because at least I know I'm free. Uh, The Wake Up America show is brought to you by viewers and listeners like you. So click that like button and subscribe to the channel. And don't forget that you can always text the show and let us know what's on your mind. 573-319-1586 is the text line. Hit that button over there. The like, the subscribe, and send us a text. Tell us what's happening in the world. Love to hear from what's going on in the world, in your world. You can send me that text again anytime, night or day, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. Oh, it figures that everybody would love this hoodie, and we had so many problems with it in the shop and had to take it out, but it is what it is. Um, We've got some big news stories today. Jon Stewart returns from The Daily Show. Are you guys excited, huh? What? No, God! No? No, You're not excited now that... no. uh, No! Jon Stewart no. has returned. What? No. Why not? Okay, Michael Scott, shut up. Uh, the Wake Up America show is going to go through his clip to see what he's uh, what he's talking about these days. And, uh, uh, you know, Joe Biden is obviously going decrepit. Stephanie doesn't like it when I diagnose mental health problems in people when they haven't been <laughs> actually diagnosed. How dare you? But I think the guy is suffering from either dementia or sundownerism I'm going to do it anyway so Steffi sorry you're going to have to be mad at me just too bad (laughs) thankfully it's not against the law and plenty of people diagnosed me as bat insane anyway so
1: FBI
0: open up they're coming to take me away ha ha they're coming to take me away ha ha -ha. to the funny farm where Kermode Bear gives me tips and says I like fish alcohol and bonus content give it up (laughs) You guys are going to effing love the bonus content today. As usual, if you want to unlock the bonus content, you have to tip me. You have to tip me unless I shake my booty on the stripper pole Uh, for tips. Uh, If we raise $50 by the end of the show, you will unlock today's bonus content. The theme this week is the top most libertarian presidents. Yesterday was a fan favorite, Martin Van Buren. (laughs) Quest Fanning just took $2 and... Put it in my G-strang. Appreciate that. $12 in the tip jar. All we've got to do is hit $50 by the end of the show, and we'll unlock today's bonus content. If the bonus content doesn't get unlocked, you know the rules. It goes away. We say goodbye, and you never get to see it again. Can you imagine me making a whole Most Libertarian President bonus content series, and then you only got to see like... Four out of five, and you would be like, Who was the fifth? Who was it? Was it Ronald Reagan? Who was it? Was it Thomas Jefferson? No, it wasn't actually. <laughs> Although Ronald Reagan might make the top 10, we'll see though. So if you'd like to see that, then you can do us a favor and drop a tip in the tip jar through Rumble Rants. Uh, and also, just FYI, if you make purchases during the show at APForLibertyShop.com, that counts. So if you go and you buy an Afuera t shirt, uh, and they're 25 bucks, then that's $25 accounts toward it. So there you go. Uh, there you go. Tip me, tip me. Uh, here we go. Wouldn't want to bit me. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> we'll have John Miltimore at 730. Camelia Peterson's going to join us today, and everybody loves Camelia. I know. You guys want her to be your girlfriend. Too bad, too bad. Uh, Camelia will be here at 8 o'clock today to talk about an international liberty summit that happened last night hosted by me. Uh, to talk about the new caucus of Javier Malay Republicans in the United States. That's it. I'm taking my ball, and I'm not going home. It's time for a new wing of the Liberty Movement because honestly, the Liberty Movement in the United States is stale. It's tired. It's dying. It's just overrun by income poops and 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 just bonkers chem trailers and people who you know hate the men with the and women the men who wear the tiny little hats. And honestly, it's time for us to start something new. So, you know what? I'm doing it. It's time. I think that we should start the caucus within the Republican Party. Some people say, no, we need to start a new political party. I really, as somebody who has done third party political stuff oh, for over a decade, I can tell you, you don't want to go that direction. I say we take over the GOP. Javier Malay Republicans, Afuerists, Afuera. <laughs> What do you guys say? You guys, you know, on that, you guys want to start a new liberty movement in the United States because this old one's getting tired. I'm getting sick of it. It's time for us to move on. Uh, I got a new baby coming, and damn it, we need liberty in this country. What do you say? Love to hear your thoughts. Uh, I mean, not everyone loves Camellia. That's true. I think that uh, Chris Lonsdale in Kansas City is not a big fan because you're like a big stooge for the Cokes or something like that. Uh, Anyways. At 8:30 a.m. Central Time, who do we have in the show, who do we have? We've got J.D. to Chile. Oh yeah, JD <laughs> <laughs> JD2 Chile uh, is going to talk to us about Joe Biden's uh, no good, very bad day. Things only seem to be getting worse for the President of the United States. The King of Jordan came to the White House yesterday. And here's
2: how Joe Biden looked. Listen to this.: Let me start by welcoming His Majesty the King of Jordan. He's been a good friend. Abdul. Welcome back to the White House, man. Welcome back. And by the way, Barack's looking at you in the corner over there. And along with Craig, Queen Rihanna, who is meeting with Jill now, and the Queen and the Crown Prince Hussein. Where is the Prince out here? I thought he was coming out. At any rate, Your Majesty, over to you.
0: Okay, well, that wasn't the worst I've ever seen him, but it's not like things are necessarily improving. Take a listen to this. Five straight minutes that we won't go through. Showing exactly why the special counsel noted Biden's diminished mental fitness. uh, Yeah.
2: Anyway. And I don't want to, I don't want to, well, maybe choose my words. I was just thinking, uh, Uh, anyway, I I just look, I mean, Putin's kleptocracy, uh, uh, yeah, it was in February, February, uh, January, after being elected, the late January, early February. He said, uh, it's not, we need, uh, not just, uh, well, I won't go into it. Here's what drives the driver in the states that are affected. Here's what the, you can do, the drivers. Uh, I, uh, for two reasons. One, to...
0: You say you got more than one reason to explain something, you better know what those two reasons are. It's, <laughs> somebody is laughing at the music. Yeah, no, it's sad. But um, Nancy Pelosi is out there uh, doing the whole Baghdad Bob routine in favor of Biden. Take a listen to this. So
3: I think that again, age is an objective fact. As I say, it's all relative. He's younger than I am, so what do I have to say about his age? But he is, uh, again, uh, knowledgeable, wise. And after the football game yesterday, which I was sad. I'm proud of the San Francisco 49ers, I didn't want to bring it up with you, but, but you since saw, you brought it up. Yeah, but I mean, reason I brought it up is because at the end of the game, you saw experience prevail. We have a new, fresh team. Wait till next year. We're getting all ready for it. But you saw experience prevail at the end. Experience is so important. So Joe Biden has vision. He has knowledge. He has a strategic thinker. This is a very sharp president in terms of his public presentation if he makes a slip of the tongue here or there what's the deal he is you, he is he has, you see he has a difference. what he needs mentally and what he has in his heart empathetic empathetically for the american people
0: okay there Nancy, it's not uh, working for you quest <laughs> fanning says has anyone tried taking out joe's cartridge blowing off the dust and putting it back in very funny question Uh this video was making the rounds yesterday this young lady doing a nice impression of our vice president who doesn't have much to say either.
4: We are here today at this prestigious
2: insert location
4: to talk with people. Okay.
5: People in uniform, people in suits, people
4: in t-shirts, people in dresses and all of these people are here today together okay because we want to be unburdened by the things that have burdened us in the past and in the present and perhaps even in the future (laughs) and as i look around i see the sun is shining and i see that there are trees over there it actually does sound like it doesn't and there is ground beneath us and i have hands (laughs) And they are clapping, <laughs> and I am laughing. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> that was
5: good. That was very funny.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So again, so we at least we have time for at least we still have uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, who said the other day that she is ready to serve after that special counsel report showed that uh, President Biden isn't able to really answer questions impact, all that
2: well. an impact the decades in are making because inaction was, uh, there was inaction the, uh, with, with, with the department of, uh, uh, with from from uh, uh, char, excuse me, from Charlotte, one another line going from in florida down to tampa the best way to get something done if you if it holds near and dear to you that you uh um like to be able to anyway the idea that um
0: and and What's the idea there? All right. Well, John Stewart's back on The Daily Show, and he took aim at the president's age last it's, night. They are both similarly
1: challenged. And it is not crazy to think that the oldest people in the history of the country to ever run for president might have some of these challenges. Now, Democrats will say that any criticism.
0: Thank you to Quantum Kitty. Appreciate you. She says Biden is failing fast. We age in steps, and he's walked off the edge of that last step. How people can claim he's a fit, much less fit for POTUS, boggles my mind. Amen, Quantum Kitty. Thank you for the support. Only, I think, $25 more to raise by the end of the show, and you'll unlock the bonus content uh, that I produced for you today about one of America's most libertarian presidents. Let's continue. Something like this, especially if Biden
1: is unfair, because you just don't know Biden like they know Biden.
2: President Biden, who I've been around uh, numerous times just in this last year, is sharp, he's focused, he's bright.
5: He is sharp, intensely probing, and detail-oriented and focused.
1: This is a man who is sharp, who is on top of his game, who knows what's going on. He's smart, he's on his game.
4: I was in almost every meeting with the president, and the president was in front of and on top of it all, coordinating, and directing leaders who are in charge of America's national.
0: Don't you just love the gaslighting in real time? He's sharp. He's intelligent. He's brilliant. He's, he's, he can't even tell where he is right now. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's getting everything accomplished. He's, he's wise, they say. By the way, thank you to Tony Martinez. You just dropped $10 in the tip jar. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate you. All we've got to do is raise five more dollars, and by the end of the show, and if we do, then I will unlock your uh, Grover Cleveland bonus. Oh, did I already say who it was? Oh, oh, dang it. (laughs) I gave it away. There you go. One of the most libertarian presidents in American history. Uh, Today's bonus content will be on Grover Cleveland. So if you'd like to unlock that bonus content by the end of the show, all we have to do is raise $5 or... You know, you can sell a keychain over at APForLibertyShop.com, and that should do it. So, anyways, if you want to see the Grover Cleveland bonus content today, <laughs> you've got to make that $5 donation. Thank you, well, Tony.
4: Security, not to mention our allies around the globe.
1: Did anyone film that? <laughs> <laughs> because. If you're telling us behind the scenes he is sharp and full of energy and on top of it and really in control and leading, you should film that. (laughs) That would be good to show to people instead of a TikTok where he goes, Cookie Chip Cookie. (laughs) We see he's in charge. You see, I like cookies. Of course, when it comes to Republicans, they've got a different strategy for their 77-year-old candidate.
0: Well, first of all, Donald Trump is not an old man. He's an old man! (laughs) He is objectively an old
1: man! human scale trump is objectively oh if he was a tortoise i would tell him as a tortoise at 77 oh young man go off and enjoy college but he's not a tourist he's not a tortoise that is not being ageist that is being human lifespan-ist
0: <laughs> very funny very funny I am going to play some more clips for you with uh, Jon Stewart and he's back on The Daily Show gig, but we did cross the $5 line there, which means we raised the $50 we need to give you guys your bonus content. You guys were thirsty for it today. I guess once I said the name Grover Cleveland, everybody was all over it. All right, so you guys ready for some Grover Cleveland goodness? The Most Libertarian President series. We're gonna do that. Then when I get back, I'll have John Miltimore to talk about what's happening in the Biden White House. We'll continue this conversation when we get back. Enjoy the bonus content of the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. America There we go. Good morning. Rise in Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson, and you're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at Wakeup AmericaShow.com. How's everybody today? Do you enjoy the bonus content? Yeah. Grover Cleveland, yes, definitely one of the top five most libertarian presidents, in my opinion. And that's why I was happy to produce the bonus content for you today. Thank you very much for unlocking it. That goes a long way to help support the channel to help us to spread these ideas of economic freedom and personal liberty, the kind of ideas that Grover Cleveland advanced here in the United States. Well, where did I get the information, the background for that content that I produced? Well, I got it from fee.org. So yesterday we were supposed to have him on, and we didn't. I just forgot. John Miltimore's is the editor at large over at Fee.org, and he's large and in charge. Joining us live right now. Good morning, John. How are you, sir? Hey,
6: doing great, AP.
0: Good to be back on with you. Yeah, uh, John. I know that uh, Grover Cleveland isn't one of the most remembered presidents in American history, but it just—it always seems like the ones who are the closest to what you and I believe. Are the ones that nobody ever remembers? Is that a coincidence or is this the Illuminati trying to keep us down?
6: No, there's some truth to that, right? Like, like a lot of these to become a great president, what do you got to do? You gotta, you gotta fight a bunch of wars. You gotta start war. You gotta, you know, pass, you know, sweeping legislation. Um, it, it was sort of that, you know, epiphany I had at some point. You know, I, I studied history in graduate school, and I'm like, um, you realize all the worst presidents become know noteworthy in history by doing things that are unconstitutional that are immoral um you can see how different you know to think of like the 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 first uh in the the 20th century we had warren harding there was a depression right like there was a serious economic you know harding actually injected free market economics into it addressed it people forgot about it fdr did the opposite we we ended up with a with a 10-year depression um, but the myth is that FDR got us out of it, and then you know got us in World War II, and he's lionized. So, so it's really crazy the way we we um, you know measure presidents and, and and rate them.
0: For sure, John. Uh, I uh, saw in the chat somebody said John Miltimore is greater than John Stewart, <laughs> which I thought was a nice little compliment. John Stewart was poking fun at the president of the United States. And his mental fitness, uh, because we played this clip of a litany of uh, supporters of his, Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi and others, saying that the president is great. He's very wise behind the scenes. He's really running things. And Jon Stewart says if there's any videos of that, they should probably reveal them. Um, He does appear to be entering a state of decline. But, John, I don't know. Whether to feel bad, whether to feel good, should he step down? But if he does, then it might make it harder for the Republicans in the fall. He's our best asset. How do you look at this situation right now? Should the, should the 25th Amendment be invoked and should he be removed?
6: I, I think all of that stuff is is just so dangerous. And they talked about that with Trump, too. And And so much of this is in the eye of the beholder. I think invoking the 25th Amendment to do these sort of things is, is really a bridge we don't want to cross. But yes, Biden is failing. And, and the loudest people right now, by the way, are not Republican. So they're not conservative. They're not libertarians. The loudest people are, are people on the left that are really concerned. If you look, the, the New York Times, if you go to their, their homepage now, I haven't been there this morning, uh, but it's been covered. They, their entire opinion section, you know, yesterday morning um, was, was that Biden needs to go. Like, those are the people that are the most panicked. Um, and I think they're right to be panicked. And I think as a country, you know, we should be a little bit panicked um there was a great uh, you know it might have been caitlin johnson had a great take that and it was basically this idea that we need a president to run the country is a complete fiction we've been seeing it because you know joe biden doesn't look much more responsive than a vegetable right now and and things are able to run are they running well no but i don't think they'd run well anyway if, if, if joe biden was acute but i think it does you know show that the president of the united states isn't he's, he's really a figurehead in a lot of ways Does he does he matter yeah because they, they do make important decisions and having somebody there that actually has good principles and and the right values matters um but it, it does show the the presidents don't control world events. Even bureaucracies, which do more of that, um, they they can't either, even though they, that they want to. But yeah, but Biden's in serious trouble, and it's going to be a wild 2024. It's going to be a toxic two, uh, 2024
0: as well. Uh, yeah, that was guaranteed. That was written into the the cards here. Uh, this article I sent you yesterday from the New York Post. <clears throat> and the title of it is this. It says, "White House in term- turmoil." over migrant crisis with biden cabinet member mocked as idiot and bitch ass then top Biden's aide susan rice would privately slam fellow cabinet member xavier Becerra as a bitch ass and idiot over the migrant crisis um now rice insulted the health and human services secretary and was clashing with the vice president the homeland security advisor liz sherwood randall and other officials while coordinating the administration's border response. Uh, In public, they're like, everything's fine, everything's fine. Reminds me of Baghdad Bob from uh, the Gulf War. Uh, You know, everything's fine. The Americans are being destroyed. Uh, We're winning on the beaches. We're taking millions of prisoners. But privately, everything was falling apart. Do you get that impression as well?
6: Oh, it's 100%. And it shouldn't surprise us. The fact that these stories coming out, you know, are coming out now, um, that's telling too. it's 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 kind of that moment where, um, it's like like an NBA team on the court, right? Where where things aren't going well, and every, everybody's starting to blame each other. And they're starting to point like, it's, you know, what are you doing? they' they're, they're losing their cool. That stuff's going on behind the scenes. and now people are actually going and leaking those stories to reporters and thinking about their book deal afterwards. This is sort of what what just typically happens, not just during election cycles but during meltdowns of of political campaigns, too. if you If you think back to like Kamala Harris's, Presidential campaign, which was a disaster. You had more material from that, like it was. It was just hilarious to read because um, they were just all—it was all infighting, all backstabbing, and, and all these great stories coming out. Um, and we're seeing that now with the Biden campaign. And and, and it goes back to immigration, though, and, and and the people there. You realize none of them—they're quoted in the story. This anonymous person that's given the story, but nobody wants that issue. Nobody, they all see it as, as a hot potato or as, as, a, as a grenade that's about to go off. Nobody knows how to, how to fix it. Um, you know, e- even the solutions that like some people, you know, listing might offer, um, those aren't palatable, you know, to, to, to you know, the Biden people. Um, I think they're, they're, they're going to do, they just, they just turn it into a political tool now, right? They're just going they're going to say, we're going to try to pass a bill. We know it's going to fail. And then we'll blame Republicans for the problem. And politically, that is probably their best chance to, to you know, stay arm's length from this. I don't think it's going to work. I'll tell you this. I've, I saw some of Trump's, you know, campaign ads that they're preparing on this front. And they're really they're really good. And they're going to hang this, the immigration issue. Oh, my gosh. Like like it just shows quotes of after quote of Joe Biden saying he's going to dismantle the border. And he's gonna, you know, roll back this Trump rule, this and then it just shows people streaming in. Um, and they're using all Biden's own rhetoric against him. They were really good ads, and you don't have to be, you know, I don't care, put put your politics aside on the immigration issue. These ads are going to be highly effective, they're gonna run them in battleground states over and over and over. Um, I think the I think immigration is is the issue in 2024, for better or worse. Um, and I I think that's going to be the, the the deciding factor. The economy is still big, but if you look like like the Biden people, like they, they're they're saying we got a good economy, and nobody cares. Now I don't I think you and I would say we we could rattle off a dozen things that are serious, seriously bad in this economy. But they they want the economy to be the issue, but it's not going to be. It's going to be immigration. People feel a, a great deal of fear over this. We're talking, we you know, eight million people that have come into the, the the U.S. during the Biden administration. Now they 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 take issue that number. They say, well, that that's actually border stops versus you know some people go multiple times, um, but then they 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 can test that number. Um, but you know, either way, we have to put these people somewhere, right? Like like these are people we're, we're seeing. It, it, it really is to to say humanitarian crisis is not hyperbole. Um, you have cities right now. Um, that were all sanctuary cities. that said, "Yeah, come on, come on, come on." Um, it was almost—it was almost like a, the tragedy of the commons. They're they saying, "Yeah, come here." You know, they weren't saying, "Come in our house," but you know, we'll—we'll—we're we're, going to take care of you and do some of these things. And now, a lot of these cities are are, are overrun, um, and you have people that 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 aren't able to work, that aren't don't have a place to live. Um, our immigration, you know, p- policy is it, really a mess right now. And I, I think—I think you can find libertarians, conservatives, and and, and progressives that all agree this our, the whole policy is broken mm. um and where we go from here i'm not sure but um it, it it's going to be a it's going to be a, a a hard thing to watch because you have a lot of people suffering
0: bruce burt whistle our new friend over at rumble says the immigration issue is fixable but in order to do it the administration has to admit that they were wrong first well that's no, never going to happen. God. No, that's never going to happen. But I do appreciate the comments. Uh, Do us a favor. Click like and subscribe on the stream. If you haven't already, we'd love to have you come back and join us here. The Wake Up America show streams live every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We're speaking to John Miltimore. He's the editor at large at the Foundation for Economic Education. We appreciate him joining us here for his weekly gig. Usually we call it Mondays with Miltimore. But today we got it Tuesday. We got him on Tuesday. Uh, This immigration crisis sounds like everybody's on the same page except for the Biden administration. Here's the thing. At at some point in politics, when some policy makes sense or when it makes sense for somebody to save their skin to do something, usually they'll do it. The Biden administration doesn't seem to be getting that signal. I mean, it's in their best interest to do something about immigration. When you've got homeless encampments getting set up, on the streets of Denver, Colorado, all over the place. You've got Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, and the mayor of Chicago out there saying something needs to get done. His own party is going to have a rebellion against him on this one. What's stopping them? Is it ideology in the White House, or is it just pure stubbornness? Maybe a little of both? Yeah, and
6: I I think there is politics, too, because a lot of these solutions would require Biden, you know, doing things that he, uh, rescinding Policies he rescinded, putting those back in place, right? Um, you know where 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 you have people that were they're stopped at the border, um, they they wait in Mexico for asylum first. He rescinded that policy, right? Um, that and, and and that's one of the things Trump keeps hitting him on, um, and 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 that's a big issue. And I will say, like like this issue is complicated. I know a lot of people want to pretend it's not. Like we just need a, a wall or a, a moat with alligators or we just need all these things. This is a, a complicated policy for, for reasons that go beyond, you know, whether we're open borders or not. Um, you're going to have in this country, you know, w- w- what the number is, I, I don't know. Like you're going to hear varying numbers of 20 million, 25 million people, you know, illegal immigrants, undocumented, you know, you know, migrants, whatever you want to call them. And what happens okay let's say that we did get the the border problem like, like say okay but there's a, a political solution is reached i know a lot of conservative people that want those people out and i to me i'm like have you thought that through have you thought what it would take to to remove 20 25 million people like like do you know what kind of undertaking that is to me that that's a horrible idea and they're like well what would you do i'm like well well nothing like like there there's no way to move 25 million people um, that are no, no again, if, if you commit a felony and you we find out, yeah, we we can say that there's things that can be done. Okay. Um, like okay, you're you're you were in here unloving, you're a felon. If 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 the, the the host country actually will take that person back, um, you know, like there there's steps there. But I've I, I seen, think this mass movie's... deportations is a terrible idea.
0: I don't know that it is. Uh, have you ever seen that movie Soylent Green?
6: Mm-hmm
0: you know that scene where they go and everybody's riding, and then they just bring in the dump trucks and they just scoop everybody up you just bring in the dump trucks you just scoop them all up and then you just drive it to the border and then you just (laughs) so that greed is people it's people all right obviously i'm joking (laughs) charlton heston
6: was great in that movie by the way he
0: he was that's a great film uh if you Listen, if you they've already broken the law by coming here, John, I mean, they've already they've already flouted the laws of the country by illegally coming to the United States. So, you know, is it feasible to round them all up? Probably not. Should we start with people who commit felonies? Yes, but they've all broken the law to be here. And in that sense, already, they're already showing that they don't have any respect for our constitutional system to a degree.
6: Yeah, see, you know, breaking a a federal migration law to me is not the same thing. You know, it's one of those things I think libertarians are good at reminding people. Um, There's a difference between, you know, a vice and a crime. Um, A lot of times we we criminalize things in this country that we think really, uh, frankly, should not be criminalized. You know, now when you when you when you smoke pot and you know like you're breaking the law. And so he says, Oh yeah, you you deserve to be in prison for that. I disagree. I, I know what the law says, but that's a person who's not committing any real crime. He's 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 just consuming a plant that he that he that he bought or grew for himself. And for me, people that are coming here from you know, from Venezuela, a country that was just destroyed by socialism, they're like, I need to get the hell out of here and there's a place to go there and i don't think they're thinking like oh i don't care about their constitution i don't care about that i think they just need to go somewhere um and and they're they're, they're trying to survive and i, and I don't want to you know our broken immigration policy you know should not be the reason um, that because they they were able to just walk right in almost like the capital right like it, it, like a lot of the like we've made it very easy and we've sent signals to people there come here we have politicians saying yeah come come to we're a sanctuary city come on up here and so we've we've created all these signals for people down there to come here. And then we're going to blame them when they do, and and say you're you're a lawbreaker, you're you're a you're a crook, you're a criminal. I I, I don't think that's fair to a lot of people. Now, are there some of those in there? Are there absolutely. And um and and again, felons, people that are are violent criminals. I, I think that there's there's no reason that we need to 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 keep people like that here. Um,
0: Tony Mar- Tony Martinez over in the chat says mass deportation will not work, but there has to be more deportation, and it needs to be shown and communicated. Most people don't even realize where the United States has its deportation airport. Um, I, I agree. And even I think just showing that we're going to enforce the laws on the books is enough to deter a lot of people from coming. I think that the lawlessness that's occurring is because we're showing that we're not going to enforce our laws. And a lot of people are like children they they're going to say oh well if there's no rules then i can do whatever the hell it is that i want and i think that is a large reason for the crisis on the southern border do you agree yeah no i, I think i think for for so long it's been completely dysfunctional and and even the
6: laws on the books um weren't being enforced and and here's the thing this has actually made me i've drifted from being you know I've always been pro-immigration, partly because, you know, my family were migrants at one time, like America's built on that. That idea still has a certain power to me. And then he saw things getting out of control there. But I've actually become a little bit more open borders by watching the bureaucracy dysfunction Okay, and, and saying, you know what, we have like the worst of both worlds here. Like we're having, you know, like like millions of people, like a humanitarian crisis. But we also have this huge bureaucracy that is doing nothing that is I'm like just 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 disband DHS like they're they're useless like in 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 you know when I was a kid we didn't have a department of homeland security right um we have this massive bureaucracy it's actually making things worse um I am pragmatic enough to realize that you know you can have, the world has what close to 8 billion people in it now we all can't live in the United States, right? I, I I'm aware of that. And if you had no border at all, like any you, know, you said, we are open borders. I know a lot of libertarian friends that are. My, my my challenge to them is always, well, you'd have companies that will say, okay, you want to go to the United States, we'll help you get there. And you can sell yourself in, into indentured servitude you know for five years. We're gonna we're gonna pay for you to get there, but you're gonna be paying us. And you would have businesses that would set up to do that. And and if that's all legal and that's okay, you'd have like a whole Whole entrepreneurial apparatus that would come around that. And you would
0: have, um, wait, are you arguing, are you arguing in favor of indentured servitude? I, I, I'm actually not. Okay. Um, Okay. I'm just making sure that we're, I I, I, I couldn't tell if you're being serious and you were advocating in favor of it or against it because
6: I'm using that as a point to people who haven't really you know who are open borders and say if you're really open borders like you you got to be cool with that with companies that are saying I'm going to go into Nairobi and and tell people hey you want to go here like and they're gonna you're gonna get you know right you know those things would happen I'm
0: I'm, I I know well it's happening now right It, it is happening now and we have human trafficking that's occurring on our southern border we can, private property owners can't even de- legally defend their own property john there have there are farmers who are having incursions onto their land migrants destroying their property and coyotes destroying their property and and pushing their way across their land destroying their crops destroying their trees it, it's that's chaos that's lawlessness that's that's not what i signed up for as part of the american experiment the National security is a, is an imperative of the federal government of the United States. and they can't keep the kids that are being trafficked across their border safe. They can't keep American citizens who live in San Diego safe. They can't keep American private property owners safe. Something has to change. I, I I want to be a country that is welcoming to immigrants, but I want them to come here legally and and I still believe that the Ellis Island system was far better, but frankly, John, It's not the 1900s anymore, and you don't have to get on a boat and take a month and a half long trip to come to the United States to be funneled through a port, get your disease check, get your security check, and then if you don't pass it, then they put you on the boat back home. You know, we have Chinese nationals as as a growing contingent of the people coming across our southern border. Those are security threats. That's not migration. We're talking about spies and saboteurs.
6: Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. China, if they want to get a spy into our country, they're going to get a spy into our country. There's a million ways to do that. And I, I think, you know, if you're going to be a free society, you have to, you know, look and say, yeah, the countries are going to be able, you're going to have a free movement. You're going to have people that can get there. Um, I don't think China's going to be smuggling a lot of spies in through our southern border. Like I um, why not. I, there's, they don't need to. Like they, they, like I said, they can get them on a plane. They, you know, they, like there, there's a there's a million ways to get here. You don't have to go through the southern border. But then, you then there's also an actual record. Border.
0: But then there's an actual record. I mean, you know, we can agree or disagree on this one. I want to uh, read real quick from Mighty Megatron. It says mass deportation will work. He says with tougher consequences for illegals in Arab countries, they chop your hand off for stealing. Uh, I don't want to be like an Arab country. He says, guess what? Stealing is low. We need tough, tough consequences to be shown. Okay, well this is what makes the United States better than Arab countries, to be honest. I don't want to be chopping off anybody's hands. But I do want to enforce the law. I do want to say that we will enforce the law. I want more illegal immigration and fewer illegal immigrants into our country. The White House doesn't seem to have any incentive to do it. The Trump administration does have an incentive to do it. What's funny is that I think they actually deported fewer illegals than Obama did, which was kind of a bitter irony. But, um, uh, but, John, we're, we're running out of time in this segment. Was there anything else uh, on this topic or perhaps anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners writ large?
6: No, good conversation. These are these are tough ones. Like, like I, And I think these You know, I'll just leave with listeners. Um, you know, there, there are is, there, is immigration utterly broken. Yeah. Is there a humanitarian crisis? Yeah. Um, I, I think I think fixing all these problems, you know, I I'll be honest. I don't think I don't think it's going to get fixed. If we have a Trump administration, either, like I, I, I think we're we're still going to see. Um, like, can, can will it be like it is now? No. Um, and but um, and is Biden, you know, declining? Yes. But um, there are there are some serious problems. I think I think you know anybody that says they have a silver bullet, though, um, you're going to find these are these are really complex problems that have grown worse, and and the political dysfunction makes them all but impossible to solve. You know, sadly. Um, but but no, that's good. Um, yeah, check out all our work on fee dot org in in my
0: own, you know. I'm on Substack. Check out the take by John Miltimore. There we go. The take by John Miltimore on Substack. John, thanks for joining us for your regular weekly appearance. We always appreciate your point of view on things. Go hey, on great chat with the AP. You have a good week. Thanks to John Miltimore, everybody. Give him a like, give him a heart. Click subscribe. Good stuff. So some people had said earlier that the bonus content that I produced about uh, one of our most libertarian presidents, that the audio was a little too loud on it. So I'm going to replay it for you all. And then I'm going to go get Camelia Peterson after the commercial break. We're going to talk to her about the first international sub summit of Javier Malay Republicans. that happened last night, hosted by me, AP for Liberty on the Wake Up America show at WakeUpAmericaShow.com.
7: Cleveland presented the best example of a true liberal populist. As the GOP grapples with its identity, we find ourselves caught between populism and classical liberal values like free markets and constitutionalism, searching for a balance amidst seeming contradictions. The party faces dilemmas such as regulating big tech, safeguarding blue-collar jobs without stifling economic freedom, and challenging political elites without undermining essential institutions all while trying to maintain a populist stance. Surprisingly, Grover Cleveland, a Democrat, provides an exemplary model for Republicans seeking to harmonize populism with classical liberalism, having navigated similar challenges during his political career in the late 19th century. As the only president elected to non-consecutive terms, Cleveland emerged as a beacon of integrity during the corruption-ridden, gilded age, prioritizing the public good over personal and political gains, demonstrating a blend of populism and classical liberalism. Cleveland's tenure as Buffalo's mayor showcased his commitment to fairness, famously vetoing a contract to a friend due to non-competitive bidding, reflecting his dedication to public service over personal connections. His presidency highlighted key issues like tariff reform in the silver debate, positioning lowering tariffs as a populist stance against economic privileges enjoyed by the elite thereby aligning his policies with the interests of the broader public. Cleveland argued against inflationary policies, believing they would harm the working class by reducing the dollar's purchasing power, thereby aligning his economic policies with the protection of all Americans, not just the affluent. Despite his significant contributions, Cleveland's low-key, principled approach contrasted sharply with the often loud and demagogic style of many populists focusing instead on principled service to the entire nation. In an era of political strife and division, Cleveland's legacy offers a blueprint for modern Republicans on how to effectively blend populism with classical liberalism, advocating for a governance model rooted in integrity and public service
0: good morning Rise in freedom i'm austin peterson you're watching and listening to the wake up america show at wakeupamericashow.com thank you for your patience we appreciate that it's just one guy me and I'm dozens and dozens of buttons here sometimes the button gets pushed correctly sometimes it doesn't sometimes the guest doesn't push the button sometimes i don't push the button we're just we're pushing lots of buttons here but we're here we're not queer well we are a little weird but you know not that way joining us now definitely not queer camelia peterson i don't know she is kind of an odd duck what's up cj
4: good morning i nice <laughs> always love you. the introductions <laughs> always feel um, awkward. I I do want you all to know that I'm practicing my socialism this morning. Um, And just what you can't see uh, other than my, you know, very bundled up turtleneck is that I'm wearing, you know, fleece lined leggings uh, underneath sweatpants with my very thick socks on. Because my house is very cold, because I realized at uh, 10 30 last night that I had run out of propane. So I, I'm practicing for our future socialism here in this country. Although I will say, you know, with <laughs> with liberty comes responsibility, right? And I am a, a living example of not being responsible to know when my oh, propane is you. getting low and call them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You've got the uh, Daniela Pensack outfit going on. That's this right. morning. There you yes. go. You're rocking yeah, it. I was there inspired. You go. There, good. Good, good. Glad to have you here, CJ. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, what, First of all, what is this people don't like camellia thing that I'm hearing today that uh, has to do with our senator, Eric Schmidt, in some tweet? What the hell?
4: Oh, no, no. It has nothing to do with our senator. Our senator's doing great. No, I'm just saying, you know, like I, I'm i not everybody's cup of tea. It's okay.
0: Well, <laughs> oh, who doesn't like you?
4: Uh, Well, I mean, you mentioned one. Actually, you know, the people who don't like me are, um, can pretty much be summed up in one word, and that would be the authoritarians. Oh, well, how about that?
0: (laughs) Bye about it. How dare you? Uh, Okay, nobody cares. Camelia, let's talk about what matters. Last night, the first international summit of Javier Malay Republicans kicked off, hosted by yours Truly. I see you've got all the awesome Javier Malay memes there last night. You want to give us a recap?
4: Yes. So this was this was really interesting. Lots of um, great ideas, good food for thought. Um, because you talked to several folks from Ar- who are from Argentina. Some still living there. Some living in the U.S. now. And basically talked about what does it look like to have the same movement in the United States and how do we do that? Do we need to, you know, go third party? Do we need to um, have a Javier Malay wing of the Republican Party? And also, you know, is um is Trump our Malay? You know, and, and the parallels there. I think so. Those were really good questions with some some good discussion. And uh, it left me with a lot of questions, I think, things that we need to, that we need to talk about.
0: Yeah, for sure. So let's do that now. Um, is Trump our Malay? camilla's <laughs> is like, I eh, 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 uh, eh, uh. don't know how she feels about that one. Um, your thoughts on the discussion surrounding Donald Trump being more amenable to Javier Malay than Joe Biden?
4: One hundred percent, Trump is more amenable to Malay, and I think that that's a very good thing. Um, so it, it that is the one thing when we looked at um, when Malay won the presidency to begin with. You remember one of the things I said was I was looking at which of the Republican presidential primary candidates were praising him and congratulating him, and there were some that were notably silent, which is not a good thing. Um, but Trump actually, you know, did congratulate him. And I think that's a very positive thing. I don't think Trump is our Malay. He just doesn't have the same principled foundation that Malay has. Um, other, otherwise, you know, yes, similarities in style and, you know, being a bombastic person at personality and such, but, um, Lissandro, who was your first guest yesterday, I think really brought up an interesting point in drawing parallels between Argentinian history and U.S. history. And he was comparing their last president to Trump as in that their last president kind of, you know, wasn't great, you know, but sort of started to move things kind of in the right direction as was like a step toward um, what Millay came in and needed to do. And that's how he views Trump. And I think that I, I thought that was a pretty good analogy um, because he's absolutely right. You know, Trump is not going to come in. He didn't and he won't, you know, this you know this next time he's not going to come in and make the kind of reforms that Malay is making. And, you know, people can blame that on Congress and all kinds of other things. But the reality is, is that there are plenty of things that Trump could have done with the Congress he had in the first couple of years. And he did not do. And I think the other, um, you know, the other area where the comparison falls apart between Trump and Millay is that Trump is notoriously bad about surrounding himself with people who are not in line with the things that he says, um, whereas Millay has made some very good choices um, and all toward getting his goals done. And he's actually taken significant steps towards doing that. I'm not sure Trump ever took any seriously significant steps toward draining the swamp. Here comes the Trump derangement syndrome. (laughs) You know I'm right. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, no, no, you know, you're actually wrong. uh, Because as I have listed over and over again, there were dozens of things, dozens of things that Donald Trump did for the uh, for draining the swamp that nobody mentions. And the thing is, is that and we identified this last night uh, in the uh, the summit that Javier Malay had more power and authority to be able to accomplish the things that he accomplished. So I do blame Congress, Camellia, and I do throw it back on them and say that they were not giving the president the proper bills to pass in order for him to drain the swamp even more. Now, could Donald Trump have done more with his proper authority? Yes, but it's wrong to suggest that Donald Trump even could have accomplished what Javier Malay did. Javier Malay had the authority to eliminate government agencies entirely by writ it's not the same system of government they have here. And this isn't just like a a, a rote defense of Trump, but at the end of the day, the strategy that I was talking about last night, we need to mention, you know, at least briefly now, is that Trump isn't gonna be the head of the Republican party forever, right? And, And the question is, are we gonna build a coalition that will include people who believe what we are, Javier Malay Republicans, that will actually be seen as credible by the Republican party, So that when the day comes that it's no longer Donald Trump's political party, that people like ourselves have the credibility to actually take the reins and lead when Donald Trump is done. And if we don't put ourselves in a position to be able to do that by embedding ourselves within a broader coalition like Malay did to an extent, then we're not going to be ready to, to win four years from now, eight years from now when all of this is over. Am I right or am I right?
4: Well, okay, so yes, I agree, actually, you you are right about that Trump is not solely responsible um for the things that he did or did not do, um, because our we've we've heard a lot of talk lately about how even uh, in the u s, the president uh, has too much power. um it's It's become too important of a position. Um, and Congress is not, you know, fulfilling their in their responsibility in that checks and balances. So uh, you are right. A lot of the responsibility falls on Congress, which is interesting because, you know, this, this bill has been going through the Senate and they they were filibustering for like, I don't know, gosh, you know, including last night, they were probably over 130 hours or more. Um, but Rand Paul was tweeting about it last night and it includes 60 billion in aid for Ukraine. And that's kind of become the focal point of the pushback on this and one of the things, so our senator, um Eric Schmidt, um is, you know, with Rand Paul on this. and he was he was talking about um some things that I thought that were really, you know, interesting. He has that sort of he has that sort of populist vibe. But I do think I've been encouraged with Schmidt to see that it really does seem to be rooted in principle, which is so important because so much of the populism on the right is not rooted in principle. And one of the things he tweeted this morning was that he said nearly every Republican senator under the age of 55 voted no on this America last bill. 15 out of 17 elected since 2018 voted no. Things are changing, just not fast enough. And I, I think that's fascinating because that's something I've been seeing is that I do think that it is the younger um generations in the Republican Party coming up that are really wanting these kind of changes that you and I are talking about and that are more liberty oriented and wanting to get back to the principles of liberty in America.
0: Now, the next big question that came up last night in the discussion with Argentine uh, uh, Javier Malay fans and American Javier Malay fans, which it, it ended up being mostly Argentines last night who were speaking, which was refreshing. Mm-hmm. We did have a, a couple of Americans, but they had moved from Argentina, uh, Argentina, from what is the name of the country? Argentina. Argentina? <laughs> yes. Because uh, Arge- I, I get confused. They don't like to be called Argentinian. Right? It's not Argentine. Yeah, Arge- Argentine. Argentines. Right. Oh. Uh, and I even spoke to someone who uh, splits his time. He's, he's a native Argentine, but he lived in London uh, and, and split his time between his native country and London. And he had a, like a British accent even, which I thought was kind of fascinating. But the discussion about the proper way for us to form a coalition here in the United States that is um, a Javier Malay coalition. Should it be a Republican Party thing? Should it be a Libertarian Party thing? But I think people missed, and maybe it's because Argentines specifically aren't familiar with the liberty movement in the United States. They kind of missed the big reason why there's a push by me and others. To essentially start up a new liberty movement in the United States, um, did you catch that? And and are you are you are you smoking the spliff that I'm passing your way, Camelia?
4: Right. Well, there's. I mean, among in the LP and the libertarian movement in the U.S., it's uh, it's become very left leaning, and I don't. You know, the the party itself has developed such a stigma and reputation that I don't know that it can be salvageable to be reputable. You know, and so I, I, I think that's difficult for somebody you know looking from the outside in to see, unless they're just seeing the video of you know Speedo guy. But
0: right, well, sure. But I mean, did you? Uh, I mean, you saw the retweet that Javier Malay posted of mine yesterday, right?
4: Yes, I did. I can't remember exactly what it said, but yes, I did.
0: Yes. So the the tweet that Javier Malay reposted that I posted along with the smug goat. Did you like the smug goat? Yes, because uh, he certainly is not. But he's not posting other American libertarians. I know, right. Yeah. He's only for the most part posting me along with a few memes from Sal Mayweather. He's not posting Dave Smith. He's not posting Clint Russell. He's not posting Tim Pool or all these other people. He's posting tweets of mine like this that said, Javier Malay is shaking up politics here in the United States. Malay is revealing how right-wing anti-Semites and the Ilhan Omar, homos for Hamas types, have much more in common with each other than with true libertarianism, keep it up, Havo, you're shaking things up. And that was me quoting someone who was upset that he was in Israel meeting with the prime minister, right. uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, and that he had met the Pope, despite the fact that he had said unkind things about the Pope, they, what what they revealed, what uh, what was revealed, Camellia, Javier Malay has revealed more about American libertarianism than I think South, South American politics to an extent.
4: Absolutely. I think that they, it's, it's absolutely revealed that they are less... About liberty, and more about um, you know all these these deep conspiracies they want to chase after, and what has become you know outright rank anti semitism. Uh, It's been a little disturbing to see some of that from people who are in, you know, our common, you know, liberty circles of people online. But I mean, they can couch it in terms of oh, history and, you know, whatever else they want to do. But the reality is, is that it is they're obsessed with it anymore.
0: Yeah, well, here's the thing. I mean, Dave Smith obviously has a beef with me, right? He uh, he poked the bear the other day, a couple of days ago. I had just kind of forgotten him. Uh, and Clint Russell, because I mostly just ignored them anyway. But he posted a clip from our debate where he was claiming that I hadn't read the article that I was literally reading to him in real time right. about Murray Rothbard uh, picking the side of Israel uh, or being against Israel, being anti-Israel in their their fights from the 1970s that they have all the time with the Palestinians. But the point of of me reading that article was not that Rothbard disagreed with me on the Israel issue. It was that he disagreed with the idea that you can't pretend to be neutral or non, just because you're non-interventionist doesn't mean you don't pick a side. It's just that Rothbard picked the other side. Javier Malay, who is now the world's most prominent anarcho-capitalist, which must drive them batshit insane, I know it must, especially because he's retweeting me and not them, um, is not anti-Israel. He's very pro-Israel. I'm... He's not He's not a conspiratard when it comes to the Jews that thinks that like the Freemason Illuminati are putting chips in our brains, right? And that there's, you know, like the 5G is going to give us all cancer. Like, Javier Malay is not like them. And so you have the American liberty movement, like at least many of its prominent figures, turning up their noses at the, the highest elected libertarian in all of human history. This is why we need a new liberty movement in the United States, is it not?
4: Yes. And they are doing exactly what they accuse the the left and the right of doing and that they are um, exercising binary thinking for them. Nuance is dead in this. They don't they don't see any nuance at all. You know, you're either you're either all in, um, you know, for Israel or you're completely anti and they don't they're not able to say, look, um, the overwhelming amount of, you know, uh, evidence or, you know, the problem is, is, you know, with Hamas, and you know, has Israel done things that are not good in the past? Yes, of course. Like has the U.S. done things that are not good in the past? Yes, of course. But does that mean that like we're just as bad or worse than you know the other side? No, and they are totally, um, totally doing that. I mean, it's it's very hypocritical, and I think this is part of, also part of the reason why um, it would never work. For to try to create this movement um, and make any actual progress within the Libertarian Party itself right now is because the thinking is so very black and white, all or nothing. I mean, honestly, it also goes back to that that mantra of liberty in my lifetime, which feels good and it sounds good. And I love that, but it is so what we are guilty in America anymore of. And that is short-term thinking. We don't, we don't have long-term goals. We're not practicing generational thinking. And so I think that has limited our ability to make steps pragmatic long-term steps toward actual liberty and reclaiming our liberties here in this country because um, there's that there's just that all or nothing mentality and that we want it all and we want it now i mean i i think of henry david thoreau all the time when he said you know i ask not for no government all at once but i ask at once for a better government and like, that's what okay. i want well, i just have-
0: Yeah, this is good stuff. Uh, Camellia Peterson's joining us live right now. Let's give it up. How about a like and a subscribe for Camellia's Insights? We're talking about a summit last night that was held between Argentinians and Americans who are interested in carving a new path. Um, The reason why I held that spaces last night was for us to have a conversation about importing Javier Malay libertarianism to the United States. We We need a new liberty movement here in the USA. And I find myself in agreement 99 times out of 100 with Javier Malay's version of libertarianism. And I think a lot of people out there really do, too. I think more people are seeing what Javier Malay is doing in Argentina, and they want to bring it to the United States. And I I think I'm not alone in this. Uh, There are more people out there who are agreeing with what Camelia and I are saying, that it's time for us to have a new movement. Now, the last part of this conversation, which is what you were alluding to, which is that the LP is not the proper platform for this. They don't want change. They don't want to win. They want to destroy each other. They want to have fights over who's the most libertarian, and they they can't see things in the long term. And they want to go to the American people with an idea to say, um, "You're the the reason why the terror attacks on 9 11 happened is that it's your fault, and uh, Osama bin Laden, Laden was actually the good guy." And Vladimir Putin is the good guy, and you actually are all the bad people, and it's your fault that all the bad things. Good luck with that electoral strategy. Uh, you know that's not going to happen. The Republican Party, a Javier Malay caucus within the GOP. Picture it, right? We all get wigs. We get the <laughs> we get those white afuera jackets that we sell at <laughs> APForLibertyShop.com, dot com, and we show up at meetings at Republican Party meetings, and we and we bring up like whiteboards with like Department of Education, (laughs) Housing and Urban Development,
1: right? Afuera! Afuera!
0: Right? And we we just start taking over our local Republican parties across the country. It'll be beautiful.
4: (laughs) Who's with me? Do you think that'll work? What, what, what'd you say? Do you think think that'll work? (laughs) I don't know. Sure would get a lot of great media attention, don't you think? Uh, Sure, Uh, I like, yeah. it, that's the question, though, right? One of your one of your speakers last night brought this up. I don't know if it was Tito or if it was somebody else. Um, he mentioned the differences culturally and and where we are between Argentina and the U.S. In that, honestly, part of part of the problem is that the U.S. is the people here are not hurting bad enough, um, and so that is that is one obstacle, shall we say, to actually making progress on this is because people are too comfortable. But the other part of that, um, that he sort of mentioned is something I've been thinking about a lot, are the cultural differences between Argentina and the U.S., you know, just Argentinian culture. They're just, you know, never being much more, you know, flamboyant and bombastic. And so, like, what is normal, you know, his style over there? And, you know, people talked about, well, why was he treating the pope nice? Because he said very bad things about him before. And it sounded like he really didn't like him. But yet here they are laughing together. And you know our friend Alejandro, you know, pointed out that this is kind of normal. Like this is normal. You do you do this. You know, it's not like you have to be, you know, enemies all of the time. You can come together and also get along. Um, that's not normal here. And so we don't have. So the question is, is you know our our Javier Malay is probably not going to look the same um, because we do need somebody that will appeal to you know American culture and mindset and ideals and so I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure what that looks like Donald Trump yes
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'm not so sure about that but you know uh, a step in a step in a direction anyway <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so we need to be thinking about the future we need to think about what yes. the Republican Party looks like post, Donald Trump. Uh, we need to build a coalition in the Republican Party. Javier Malay Republicans, maybe not the name, but afuerists, perhaps afueristas, afwer- something <laughs> like that. I don't know, maybe something that doesn't have quite the same Latin American flair, but uh, maybe that's, maybe all it is is it becomes a, a movement in the GOP to get more Latin Americans involved, right? And it's like, you know, based on Javier Malay and you know, if we can help deliver the Republican Party victory by bringing in the Latin American votes with the Javier Malay play, I mean, that in itself, I think, would be a great victory. But uh, at, at the end of the day, Camellia, the long term strategy has to be looking into the future and saying, how can people who are of our ideological ilk make a change in the Republican Party? Because you're already a Republican. You caucus and hang out with the Republicans. I'm a Republican. The people who believe what we believe and who are actually active in politics, who do things other than just sit in their basements yeah. and podcast. I'm podcasting from a studio, by the way, Uh, they they are the ones who are setting policy, the people who are making an impact, right? The third party people, the people who are like, who who is eschew politics, which, by the way, somebody sent me this text message last night. Um, uh, This was a quote from Javier Malay. This is perfect for this Uh, saying, uh, Malay trashes libertarians and ANCAPs who don't want to get into politics and throw shade on anyone who does. Here's what Javier Malay says conceptually, it has to be said that all of this is very, very strong because there is a situation where there is a world in which the libertarian were addressing the real world. So the discussion about whether or not we should get into politics is naive. I could almost say dumb people who in fact think by doing the opposite thing to what the state says, it gets result. But the state has the power to arrest people. Politicians don't see themselves impacted. They don't see their powers at stake. But this, I realize this is the only way to get into the system is to dynamite the system. So meaning that we need to take pragmatic steps towards our radical agenda, correct?
4: This is exactly this. So this I don't think Tony will mind me telling this um, So, Tony Lavasco and I were having a conversation here a while back because I had been approached about um, taking a position within the party. And so I, you know, I, I talked about because I've always been. I pushed back against being involved in the party because there are just so many there were so many downsides to it. It did not seem to be effective, and were we actually gaining ground. So one of the things that he said to me when I was talking about what I can do to be the most impactful, is he said, the problem that we have is that there are not enough people who are libertarian leaning who come in and do things in the political realm and in the Republican party itself. And they don't last very long because they're too afraid of getting their hands dirty and they want to stay above the fray, so to speak. And he said, you know, like we need people to stay in and it does require compromise sometimes. And it does require like doing things that purists on the outside looking in will criticize you for because those you can't you can't gain any influence or power to actually take that control back from the state, give it back to the people if you don't get in there and get your hands dirty to a certain extent, which, you know, this has been an evolution for me over the last few years because, you know, when I first started, (laughs) you know, when I first got into this, I like the idea of, of holding influence and power were just like anathema to me. I did not like that idea. And it's just, you know, I've had to reframe my thinking on it.
0: Yeah, I don't like the idea either. I don't particularly enjoy it. Running for office sucks. Uh, And it's a thankless job to try and change things. Uh, But you know what? At this point, at this period of my life, like my frustration with the lack of progress towards our ideals has set me, has set a fire under my ass, Camelia. And I am ready to get my hands dirty. I am ready to be called a sellout, statist, traitor, uh, communist, socialist, Republican, authoritarian. Like, call me whatever you want. (laughs) But yeah. I, am re- I am ready to get my hands dirty if it means that we advance a limited government agenda. I'm changing my tactics, but I'm keeping my principles. Camelia, sure. anything yeah. else anything else you want to yeah. share before we go?
4: I would just encourage everyone that as you're looking at your elected officials, at your candidates, um, we need to not only be holding them accountable, but remember, you catch more flies with honey. And we need to be positively reinforcing the good things that our legislators do. And so, you know, I pinned on my Twitter right now is the love your government <laughs> challenge. I think that still stands. We need to find the good things that those elected officials are doing. And we need to positively reinforce them because humans respond to that. They respond to that more than they do negative reinforcement. Okay, this is your a psychological job. reality. That's <laughs> your
0: job, Cabella. You be. <laughs> and doing- by the way...
4: Valentine's yeah. Day is not a real holiday. And if so, help me, I will mock you mercilessly if you say anything about that today. Like, just let's not do that. Just stop okay. it.
0: Okay, <laughs> that's fine, Camelia. By the way, I think I just came up with our new name, the name for our new caucus in the GOP. The forces of heaven.
4: I like it. I'll, I'm with
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> We're seeing it. It's no longer a neighborhood phenomenon. Camelia Peterson, thank you very much for your time today. We appreciate you very much. Have a great day, everyone. There you go. Give it up a CJP. <laughs> CJP. She's good for you and me. Join us uh, every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 a.m. That's when Camelia's regular slot is. So if you enjoy hearing from Camelia, she is a regular guest on the show. Tuesdays and Thursdays, 8 a.m. Central Time. All right, we've got so much more to go. Lots more fun stuff. Hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel that you're on right now. And visit AP4LibertyShop.com. We've got another guest who's joining us here. J.D. Tuchili is going to join us in five minutes to talk about Joe Biden's horrible, no good, very bad day. I've got to go to commercial break. But before I do, go to AP4LibertyShop.com. I know you guys really love this hoodie. Unfortunately, I can't sell it to you because the people who sell it, take forever to ship it. So, uh, and I don't want to make customers unhappy. So visit shop.com. I'm going to go get JD to Chile. When I get back, we're going to talk about Joe Biden's no good, very bad, horrible day on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, rise and freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. All right, so we're done talking about how... We're gonna kidnap Javier Malay, tie him up in a sack, bring him here to the United States, force him to run for president so that we don't have to worry about this fall. That's obviously not going to happen. But can we get the ideas of Javier Malay exported to the United States? They already export delicious Argentinian, Argentinian Argentine wine. Have you ever had a glass of Malbec? I was drinking some last night. So good. Argentines make
5: awesome wine.
0: Argentines make awesome wine, says my next guest, J.D. Tucheli, who writes for Reason Magazine and is joining us live on the phone. Good morning, J.D.
5: Good morning to you.
0: Yeah, is uh, Javier Malay the kind of uh, a beacon of hope for you as much as he is for me?
5: He's a rare beacon of hope on the world stage. we can get the Argentines or done with them to come here and uh, work some magic for us, that'd be awesome. Especially since, as I think we're going to be discussing, um, our current president is running out of ideas of, of his own as they fade away into uh, into the, you know, the ages. And we can certainly transplant Malay's ideas into his head.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'd, I'd love to talk to you about Javier Malay. Maybe we can do that a little bit later in this conversation. But I read your piece, your excellent piece about Joe Biden's no good, horrible, bad day. Now, he's been having like a bad series of weeks. But last week, he may have had the worst day of his presidency. Do you want to give us a recap?
5: Yeah, I mean, some people uh, age gracefully and retain their vigor and their faculties as the years go on. Uh, Joe Biden is not one. The the word is circular. It's been obvious in public, I think, for a long time, with repeated and kind of accelerating flubs. He's not on top of his game. He's uh, Cognitively, he's declining. He doesn't have his mental faculties the same way he used to. Last week, just I wave of awfulness for the guy. I mean, he starts off uh, telling uh, tales at a fundraiser, a political rally, about a supposed conversation he had uh, with uh, heads of state and heads of government. Uh, It included, as he put it, Francois Mitterrand from Germany. Then he corrected himself quickly to say, no, no, Mitterrand from France, which is lovely, except that he's telling a story supposedly from 2021 that Francois Mitterrand died in 1996. And the current president of France is Emmanuel Macron. So then, a few days later, he's telling the same story, and he refers to um, the chancellor of Germany as uh, as Kohl, I mean German Kohl. And Kohl died in 2017. And uh, you know, the chancellor during the story you know he's telling was Angela Merkel. So you know, it, that is another flub. And then he's talking about the uh, you know the war in Israel and the you know, the fight against Hamas. He can't remember the name of Hamas, and the reporter has to supply it. And this is all within a period of a few days, and it's all you know captured by the press. And it really looks for the president. It's not good. And then it come, we come to Thursday. I mean, this is only two thirds of the way through the week, and the Thursday comes, and the bad news there starts off. You know, I guess thankfully for the president with something that has nothing to do with his mind. It's that the Supreme Court is very dubious of Colorado's arguments, um, you know, and you know, for dismissing Donald Trump from the ballot. Well, at least it distracts the public from, you know, uh, from Biden's middle faculties. But then Robert Hur, the special counsel looking into uh, Biden's mishandling of classified documents, drops his report on the issue kind of good news in that he's decided he's not going to prosecute there's not grounds for prosecution unfortunately for the president especially in this week one of the reasons he thinks there's no reason to prosecute is that joe biden is going to present as a well-meaning elderly man with a memory there's no reason to stick him in front of a jury this is just not going in the white house's direction so of course biden has to respond that he holds a press conference and says, my memory is fine. Then he takes a question about Israel and he confuses the president of Egypt with the president of Mexico. I mean, as, as weeks go, if you were scripting a week that would just highlight the weakest of the declining president, the aging decline, declining president, that week probably could not have gone any worse. It was a bad week for Joe Biden. It,
0: is this a dangerous situation to have someone who's in that position with that amount of power to be stumbling in such a way? How does that make you feel, J.D.? And what do you think needs to be done?
5: I think it's dangerous in the country. One is the presidency wields enormous power. It's clear on the world stage that the president of the United States isn't all there. And I think that rivals the United States need to look at this and say, okay, well, you know, the United States doesn't really have anybody at the steering wheel you know, we're, you know, we we have a freer hand to do whatever it is we're gonna do. Now, in reality, there probably are people exercising the powers of the presidents. You know, we know that Woodrow Wilson, after he had a stroke um, you know, back after World War I, um his wife and I believe his chief of staff were the two, who are kind of acting as co-presidents, signing papers and making decisions in his name. There are people around Biden, I imagine, who are either fully making decisions or guiding his decisions in the direction they want. They're not accountable, so that's dangerous in and of itself. They weren't elected to office. We don't really know who they are, so that um, has dangers right there. So it's dangerous to the U.S. and its interests on the world stage, but it's also dangerous in terms of accountability, in terms of who actually is wielding vast powers of the office of the presidency. It's not a good situation for the United States.
0: Mm. We're speaking to J.D. 2 Chile. He's a writer at Reason Magazine. You should definitely sign up for his newsletter, The Rattler which is, uh, what, twice a week that that comes out, uh, J.D.? Three times, three wow. times a week. Man, you're a very, very prolific writer at Reason Magazine. You should sign up for The Rattler over there. It's a great read, and it definitely keeps me informed. J.D.'s got probably the closest to anybody that I've read their, their views over at Reason.com, which is why I reached out to him to have him on the show as, as uh, frequently as possible. We're talking a little bit about Joe Biden's mental health. Do you think that the that they knew that this uh, special report that came out would have the impact that it would, or do you think that they were completely blindsided by the implications of that?
5: I think the inclusion can assumed that he would not be prosecuted. High officials very rarely prosecute for mishandling classified documents, uh, some I've written before. Um, that behavior that would get an average person or up to a mid-level official prosecuted, stripped of their of you know their uh, their job and even of their freedom, um, is really just kind of hand waved away among high officials. So I think they were confident that he would not face trial on this. And, and let's face it 81 I mean, chances are he wouldn't be around for trial. Um but uh, I think that the inclusion of the mental disability, the story in there, and not being able to recall when his son died about not being able to recall which he was vice president, I think that they were not prepared for. And as it turns out, it's actually not uncommon for special counsels to include rationales for why they don't want to pursue a prosecution, especially if they said there were clear grounds of violation of law, which uh, it's too often. So they, really, you know we were expecting a fair outcome from this and that, and that the report would be disputed by the Republicans, but it wouldn't do them any damage. Instead, it ended up being almost a worst case scenario, which is yeah, you're not going to face trial that you're not really afraid of anyway, but it's because your dude isn't up to uh, up to facing a uh, prosecution. And this really isn't so I don't I don't know where they take it from here I'm gonna have to grapple with
0: Is this elder abuse in your mind?
5: You know, um my understanding from things i read and it's not like I have special insight, but it's that Jill Biden, Joe Biden's wife, exercises a lot of control over his decision in terms of whether he's going to continue the office whether he's going to run for re-election and that she really wants him to stay in the center for re election I think there's an older abuse quality to it um but at the same time um, he's the guy who knew he was fading and decided to run from office and knew him. um he made that choice now he's kind of stuck with it we're stuck with him I think there are a lot of people around him who are exercising power beyond the nominal status of their offices who very much enjoy doing that we want him to stay where he is so they can keep on doing what they're doing
0: there was a case of this happening in american history even worse than joe biden um a slight precedent set by woodrow wilson who had a stroke and spent a little downtime um in his bedroom something like several weeks where his wife actually signed legislation for him while he was an invalid did d- did you know this story
5: oh absolutely yes i mean woodrow wilson is a big precedent for this in fact woodrow wilson is which he didn't know about he didn't, couldn't do anything about and then of course the fact that fdr in the 40s disguised his own um uh, those were those were um you know impetus so that's the 25th amendment which allows to remove a president who's incapable of exercising uh, his responsibilities. Problem is, the president is kind of disabled and on top of his game. The not probably has a freer hand to do what he wants to do. A lot of political types like so. They've handed the ability to exercise the Twenty Fifth Amendment to a group of people who are probably among the less dis- or the less inclined to exercise such. They're not going to want to remove the uh, disabled president. Um, so, yeah, the Woodrow Wilson uh, situation is very much a precedent for what is happening here. I suspect we're in a very similar situation, although Woodrow Wilson is completely out of it. Biden probably has a significant boost of all in the who really is just not position to some full powers of the presidency. Um, I don't know how you fix this. I mean, this is really kind of a mess. And it's been a mess at a time when, when the world is in chaos.
0: Yeah, I probably need to make uh, one of my little one minute history videos about the time Woodrow Wilson had a stroke and his wife was trying to keep the Republicans from going into his bedroom to confirm that he was an invalid. So uh, maybe I'll do something like that later today. I'm speaking to J.D. Tuccioli from Reason Magazine talking about the uh, mental fitness of the president of the United States. Uh, I love seeing the numbers climbing out there in the chat. 750 people watching us live. Thank you. Do us a favor, if you're enjoying this content, click that like button and subscribe to the channel. It really helps us to spread the ideas that you're hearing and listening to right now. JD to Chile, joining us from Reason Magazine and me, Austin Peterson, the host of the Wake Up America show. We believe in economic freedom and personal liberty. So if that's your bag, baby, then make sure you click like and subscribe. We'd love to have you come back and join us because this show does stream live every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. Uh, J.D. is out in Arizona, so he's a little bit earlier than us. We appreciate him being generous with his time. I, I'd like to transition for a moment, J.D., to ask you a question um, uh, about Javier Millay. He is quite different from American libertarians. In, in the uh, the American libertarian movement, we are sort of dominated, at least to a degree, whether for for good or for ill, by an anti-war movement. Uh, that very much places the United States and Israel in, in the, a position that I kind of liken to uh, uh, oppressors and oppressed, which is you know very similar to you know the kind of the Howards in Noam Chomsky view of history. Um, but Javier Malay doesn't seem to share those views. He has a very pro-America, very pro-Israel view uh, of global politics. But still describes himself as an anarcho-capitalist, is still informed by Murray Rothbard and Ludwig von Mises and Friedrich Hayek and, and cites all of the same philosophers and people that we here in the United States lionize. But yet he seems to come to a very different conclusion when it comes to who are the good guys or the bad guys in international politics. Have you noticed that? Why do you think that is?
5: Well, you know, let's remember that every political movement is exercised within the context of culture right? I think it's amazing and probably really good for the people of Argentina. He came along when he came along. He's an Argentine. I mean, You look at him and he, he acts and, and carries himself and I, I think he's kind of cool. He acts and carries himself in a way that probably would not go over in the United States or the UK. I mean, he's an Argentine libertarian and he's not informed by Anglo-American sensibilities in the way that American libertarian is going to be. Um, he's not um, I mean, wokeness or social justice um, ideology—that kind of intellectual strain—really hasn't penetrated Latin American culture the way it's penetrated in the U.S. and Okay, um, and also Argentina is not a military force on the world stage, and so I uh, mean he's not aware of having to wield past powers of a uh, you know of the state the same way um, the U.S. president um, is because he doesn't have. Them. So he's going to be an Argentine libertarian who read the same books as an American libertarian. Thinks like an Argentine. And that makes for a very different cat. It's good. I mean, I wouldn't want to cut people you know, around the world. People's good represents who their people are. Malay represents the Argentine people, even as he believes in libertarian ideas. It's interesting to see him filter out the way in him, hopefully, successfully transform the country. He's been ruled by, as remember, the Peronists are fascists, been ruled by a democratic fascist party decades They've dominated political life in the country for a very long time but i would not expect an argentine libertarian to be the same as an american libertarian or the same as an israeli libertarian or the same as a slovak libertarian. it's just going to come out
0: but have you noticed the skepticism of javier malay by american libertarians and anarcho-capitalists because of his pro-usa and pro-israel stances
5: seeing two different strains of skepticism. One, I'm sympathetic to, which is the, I don't want my eggs in the basket and invest my hopes. Politician is mm-hmm. really skepticism. But I'm hoping to to succeed. And then there are others who look at him and say, yeah, he, he just thinks an act differently. than I do. He's, you know, he's very much an Argentine and a Catholic and, a, and a, you know, holy, he's not a Catholic converting to Judaism, but um, he's he very much representative of his people in a way that um, American libertarians, certain American libertarians are not comfortable with. So I've seen that skepticism. The libertarian movement at this point is a big movement, too, and there are different strains, and they don't, I think we all know, get along very well. So, so I mean, the fact that he comes out of that, out of that strain, and, uh, and he has a certain intellectual tradition behind him, um, in addition, to so the cultural differences, means that some libertarians are not going to be as completely comfortable as they might be if he was, say, uh, in that Soto in Peru, it came close to, uh, to the presidency there uh, two years ago. it wasn't their yeah. election. He's a different kind of libertarian. Yeah, I just, so, I've, I
0: mean, I've, noticed, I've noticed this, um, this rift uh, in the American libertarian movement, specifically people uh, reading Walter Block, the professor of Loyola, Loyola, Loyola University, uh, reading him out of the movement, no longer a libertarian because of his pro-Israel views, but they don't share that same amount of skepticism necessarily for Javier Malay, even though he has these pro-Israel point of view. Both anarcho-capitalists, right? But it seems to be a double standard that we place. We're, uh, we're I guess, we're just maybe we're just more harsh on our own people than we are overseas, or maybe it's that if you can actually win elections, and
5: people will be more forgiving. Well, I'm sure Oh, Israel. Uh, That doesn't mean I want American troops to support Israel. Um, there is a strain of American thought, and you see it among young people on the street in a lot of our cities, that treats um, Israel as an oppressor. Um, you know, it's about it being a smaller country. As it has the least square inch on the planet, with people all and are now and are now defended from those who sprang from the earth you know, a million years ago. I mean, that's just not life. But um, there is very definitely um shift away from supporting Israel and and towards that oppressed or oppressed view of the world. And it, it has to sort of extend the libertarian movement, too. Um, so it's become a dividing line through American life and breaks um, our political.
0: Yeah, man, it's always so refreshing talking to you, J.D. I feel like uh, you and I could just talk for hours about these things. There are very, very few people who have this level of knowledge about these topics, both national and international. J.D., where can people find out more about your work? Maybe sign up for your newsletter.
5: One of the number two slots on the site. They include signups in each of the articles for my newsletter. Yeah. You just described
0: Yeah, I love it. I, I hate getting emails, except when I get J.D. to Chili's newsletter. It's, it's informative. It's brief and it's just packed with great information. JD, thanks for being so generous with your time and getting up early for us and sharing your thoughts with us. We appreciate it. Sure. Yep. JD, two chili peeps. What did you think? Good stuff. Wow. And the numbers were climbing too throughout, so I know you guys were enjoying the content. So can I ask you a favor? to to Click, like, and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We'd be grateful to have your support on the show today. What an absolutely amazing conversation we had with JD, two chili, Camelia Peterson, and John Miltimore, I mean, great show all around. And you got the bonus content, you unlocked the Grover Cleveland bonus content. I mean, what a fantastic program from beginning to end. And thank you to rumble.com. I assume you featured us on the front page. I thank you for that. So here's the deal. A lot of people were asking about the hoodie uh, and you're like, Austin, why can't I buy the hoodie in your store? Well, in theory, you were supposed to be able to, as you can see it on the screen over there right now but look at that hoodie that's on the screen. That's not the same hoodie that I got, right? So I'm not happy with this vendor because even though this hoodie looks good, it's like, it's just, it's not great quality and it doesn't look exactly like the picture. So I don't want to sell it to you, especially because it took forever to arrive. So I pride myself on bringing you the absolute top quality products at apforlibertyshop.com. I'm not going to bring you no junk. Okay, I'm not going to sell it to you because I don't want to get a bad review. So visit apforlibertyshop.com now and remember that everything that you buy there is going to be inspected, top quality, good merchandise that you're not going to have to worry is going to take weeks and weeks and weeks and forever to get there. Get yourself a Viva La Libertad Carajo necklace. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Give it as a little gift for yourself, if you will. And if you haven't tasted Founding Flavors coffee, what are you doing with your life? You have not drank the most delicious coffee in the world. I do not say that lightly. I'm a coffee snob. I have the best coffee. Get a box. AP for Liberty com. That's AP, the number four AP for Liberty shop.com. Thanks everybody. You guys are amazing. I love the comments. You make me laugh every day. I wish we could all hang out in person. Wouldn't that be so much fun? I, I wish that there was a real studio audience that was clapping and stuff like that. I just feel like it would be more fun to just actually interact with everybody. And, Maybe one day we will. Maybe one day, well, this will be a real show that'll have studio audience and, you know, applause and laughter and all kinds of stuff. And you can see the guests in person in real time. Wouldn't that be fun? Every purchase you make at apforlibertyshop.com, every Rumble rant you send helps to make things like that a reality. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for for supporting the show. People like Camelia Peterson, my wife, Stephanie, who will be joining us on Friday. Thanks for helping to make our American dream come true. Viva la libertad, carajo. We'll see you tomorrow on the Wake Up
5: America Show at wakeupamericashow.com.